Our scripture lesson for this morning comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and the length of your days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. We live on the edge of blessings and curses, life and death. It is thin as a razor's edge. What will we choose? The renowned preacher Fred Craddock is known for his storytelling. One of my favorites is when Craddock tells the story about meeting a greyhound dog. Craddock tells the story this way. He says, I was in a home not long ago where they had adopted a dog that had been a racer. It was a big old greyhound, spotted, lying there in the den. One of the kids in the family, just a toddler, was pulling on its tail, and a little older kid had its head on the dog's stomach, using it for a pillow. That dog just seemed so happy, and I said to the dog, "Uh, are you still racing any? No, no, I don't race anymore, said the dog. I said, do you miss the glitter and excitement of the track? He said, no, no. I said, well, what's the matter? Did you get too old? He said, no, I still had some race in me. Well, did you not win? He said, I won over a million dollars for my owner. Then what was it, bad treatment? Oh, no, they treated us royally when we were racing. I said, what was it? Did you get crippled? He said, no, no, no. I said, then what? And he said, I quit. I said, Why did you quit? And he said, I discovered that what I was chasing was not really a rabbit, and I quit. He looked at me and said, all that running, 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 and what I was chasing was not even real. The great Swiss theologian Karl Barth describes sin as nothingness. Sin is separation from God. Sin is falling away from all that is true and real and beautiful. When we participate in sin, we participate in nothingness. Which doesn't really make that much sense until you start thinking about all those fake rabbits that we spend our days chasing. I know I'm not alone in spending a lot of energy chasing that which isn't real. We spend so much time worrying about that which doesn't matter. It's death by a thousand paper cuts of meaninglessness. It's falling into nothingness. It's choosing death instead of life. 
Our scripture lesson for today is the farewell speech of an old man. An old man giving the wisdom he knows to the next generation. But this just isn't any old man. This is the one that God has seen face to face like no one had before. This is Moses, Moshe, the one drawn out of the water, the leader of the Israelites, the one who has taken his people out of slavery, the one who has called down plagues and parted seas, the one who has seen manna fall from heaven. Today's text is the culmination of all Moses has learned, the last big list of instructions. And at the end of his days, he lays out for the community what he sees as most essential. And what does he want the Israelites to know? Does he go back and brag on his past accomplishments, of his past feats and all that he has come to know and see? No. In this sermon, which would have lasted for many, many hours, so you're getting off easy this morning, side note, Moses goes back to the covenant. He goes to the law. When Moses says that he has set before you life and death, prosperity and adversity, he is referring to the covenant. Why would Moses spend so much time on covenant? Why is this what he ends his life reflecting on? Why? Because it is true then, it is as true then as it is now, that in the end, our lives will be measured by the covenants we made and kept by these sacred promises that we have fostered or broke, by these holy promises that have the capacity to give our lives meaning or cast us into nothingness. Life and death, blessings and curses, thin as a razor's edge. Moses knows that covenants are the very thing that keep us from falling into nothingness. These are not simply rules to follow for the sake of having rules to follow. These are the guardrails of life that keep us from chasing rabbits that are not real. These covenants shape life itself. They they shape both our communal and personal lives. Professor Brett Younger points out the highlights of the covenantal life Moses is referring to over the preceding chapters, the things that Israelites are to choose. Are you ready for them? Choosing life for the community means... Canceling the debt of the poor, chapter 15. Pushing government to guard against excessive wealth, chapter 16. Limiting punishment to protect human dignity, chapter 19. Restricting those who can be drafted, chapter 20. Offering hospitality to runaway slaves, chapter 23. Paying employees fairly, chapter 24. And leaving part of the harvest for those who need it, again, chapter 24. We tend to think of these ancient laws as irrelevant to our lives. Perhaps when we hear them, though, we can see that they are as relevant now as ever. How a society is ordered is a sacred matter. When we have a just covenant, we provide the possibility of life for everyone, including the most vulnerable. And if that sounds a little political to you, that's because it is. Politics relates to how we govern and the book of Deuteronomy spends a lot of time focusing on how the community should be governed. The same is true for us. We know that how we treat the community and how the community treats us can make us or break us. When we choose to love our neighbors as ourselves, we provide the possibility of life for them. But Deuteronomy doesn't stop at community governance. It also speaks of familial relationships and obligations. 
We know that covenants make or break our personal lives too. It's in the promises of our own lives that we see that life and death choices are at hand. Andrew Foster Connors puts it this way, the truth according to Deuteronomy is that there will be hell to pay when the choices we make, when those choices run counter to God's covenantal obligations. Promises are violated in marriages. Destructive secrets erupt from the places where families hide them. Irresponsible financial decisions run their ultimate course. The predictable destruction that lies in the wake confirms that there are severe consequences for violating covenantal norms. How many times have we seen this play out? Friends who should be friends go behind our backs. Marriages fall apart. Siblings fight over inheritances. We walk a knife's edge between death and life, blessings and curses as we seek to uphold these sacred relationships. When we do covenant well, we find life. When we break covenants, we find death. In my hospital chaplaincy training, I once sat at the hospital bed of an old man who was dying. And he was one of the angriest people I have ever encountered in my whole life. I would go and see him day after day as he slowly withered away. And one day I just asked him, I said, where is all of this anger coming from? Do you really want to spend your remaining days so angry? And I'll never look or forget how he looked at me with fire in his eyes and he said, do you really want to know? And I said, I did. He said, I married the wrong woman. After my first wife died, I married the wrong woman, and my daughters and her hate each other, and she's mean to me, and it's all a mess, and I'm going to die and leave that mess behind. What do you say to something like that? Blessings and curses, life and death, the covenants of our lives are what give our lives meaning or sink us into nothingness. I'm not telling you anything new. You already know what's at stake. You already know all of this. And yet we spend our lives chasing rabbits that are not real. We think the new car or the next vacation or the right job will make it all better. I know I fall into this trap. It's nothingness, it's sin, it's death. But lest we forget, as Moses reminded us this morning, we do have a choice in the matter. We could choose to live in another way. Again, Andrew Foster Connors puts it this way. He says, The flip side of these ominous warnings is that God desires for the community to be blessed. God desires life, not death. God hopes that Israel will make the right choice for faithfulness. The right choice means blessings for the entire community, not just for God's people, but for resident aliens as well. The right choice means economic policies that are equitable distribution of resources. The right choices means life, this is what God desires for us. Imagine waking up every morning knowing that life and death choices are at hand. Imagine treating our political choices as a sacred duty of providing life for the most vulnerable. Imagine knowing that we can spend our days focusing on the covenants of our lives, knowing that our friendships, our marriages, and our, our business dealings are all sacred ground. Imagine treating the promises we make in baptism, promises we just made, as the sacred, sacred covenant it is, and that our church community is the sacred community that gives our life shape and meaning. Imagine remembering that our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy God forever.
What would it look like if we lived with our covenants in front of us in the very forefront of our hearts and minds? We can view these promises as restrictive, but in truth, they are what makes us free to be who God has designed us to be. Yes, God desires life for us and God desires life for all of God's children. And yet, and yet, and yet, there's a big disclaimer that comes with all of this. There's something that still needs to be said. We all know those around us who have kept the faith, who have kept their covenants, who do their best, who kept their promises, and then death finds them anyway. Let me say this loud and clear. This is not a text that says, if you do good things, no harm will come to you. The truth of this text is that covenants are a matter of life and death. But the storms of life do come. Bad things happen to good people. And for most of us, covenants are sometimes broken. And it breaks our hearts when that happens. Despite our best efforts to choose life, it seems that sometimes death chooses us. Pain and hurt and death seem to be knocking at the door. Things that cannot be made right are ever before us. Broken promises and pillows soaked with tears come to us all. Nothingness knocks on the door. Death cannot always be kept at bay. What then shall we say to these things? The covenant that Moses gives the Israelites is as important now to us as ever before. But there is another covenant too, an everlasting covenant that holds us when all seems like death. The scriptures tells us that on the night that when he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and we had given thanks. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup also and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection make an unbreakable covenant with us. The new covenant of Christ is one that will never let us go. When we break our covenants, God does not break his When we fall short, God never will. The good shepherd comes after us lost sheep, even when we had broken the covenant. When death seems the only choice at hand, God chooses life. This God overcomes all that is dead, all that is nothingness, all that is broken, and restores us to God's self. As Bart puts it, death is our frontier, but one which has its own frontier. It can take away from us everything we have, It puts an end to our existence, but it cannot make God cease to be our God, our helper and our deliverer, and therefore our hope. It cannot do this. And since it cannot, we may seriously ask, what can it do? Is not its great darkness into which we enter already outshone by a dazzling light? The dazzling light is Christ, and the darkness will not overcome him. Life and death, blessings and curses, We walk a razor's edge. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is this. May we not spend our lives chasing rabbits that are not real. May we realize that our relationships and our promises are deadly serious business. May we choose to keep our covenants. May we choose life. And when all else fails and when all falls apart, May we never forget that the author of the new covenant will never stop loving us. He keeps us now and forever. Amen.